0: Hello and welcome to this week's instalment of Nucleus Investment Insights, uh, and this week we're going to be looking at the next iteration of uh, Australia's favourite boom, uh, and now well and truly bust, in the Austra- the great Australian house crash. Uh, we've got a, uh, a, a terrific l- range of uh, graphs put together for you. Uh, we've got a full house here in uh, our Chief Economist, Leith Van Onselen. G'day, Leith. G'day, Tim. G'day, everyone. And we have our Chief Strategist in David Llewellyn-Smith. Welcome, David. Hi, Tim. And uh, finally, Nucleus Wealth and MB Fund Head of Investments, Damien Classen. Hi, Tim. Howdy, howdy. All right, so let's jump into it. So we've got uh, our agenda today, so we're going to look uh, initially at a national overview. We'll then uh, parlay that into some peak to trough comparisons uh, with some previous uh, house price pullbacks over the last few decades. We'll then jump into some short-term indicators, uh, in particular auction clearance rates, investor commitments and sales volumes we well, then have a quick look at foreign buyers, uh, what can be done by way of policy responses, and then, of course, what's next uh, and how we parlay this into investment uh, implications and how we run money every day for the MB Fund and for Nucleus Wealth. So, with no further ado, uh, let's get into it. So, uh, Leith, uh, we've gone from trading uh, crack houses for cryptocurrency now to uh, drinking coffees and listening to crickets at, at auctions. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Look, um Everyone, everyone here knows that the housing markets coming off pretty hard especially if you live in Sydney and Melbourne and obviously if you live in Perth uh, you know you've been experiencing this for for quite a number of years um, now I've, I've got a chart up here which just I just want to give a quick state of play about where we're at currently in the cycle and uh, I've just put up a chart here um, which shows the annual price growth across the five major capitals and as you can see uh, prices are falling pretty hard across most of the markets um, over the past year, uh, Sydney's lost uh, nearly 8%. Um, their, their dwelling values have fallen nearly 8%. Melbourne's down about 55 and Perth's down about 4%. And at uh, the five city levels, that's the five major markets, the housing market's down uh, about 5.5%. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite a big decline. And if anything, it's actually getting worse. Um, the next chart here uh, shows the uh, quarterly price growth across, again, the five major markets. And the quarterly price growth is actually falling. Uh, so it's 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 getting worse. It's not getting better. Um, the losses are, are actually accumulating at a faster rate. And over the quarter, Sydney's lost two and a half percent. Melbourne's lost about two point two percent, and so is Perth. And at the five C level, we're down nearly two percent. So, if anything, the pace of pace of losses is getting um, getting a bit more nasty. And uh, and then this takes us to um, the next chart, which shows the peak to lost the, the the decline since. Since uh, the respective peaks in the markets, and um, Oop, there we go. Oh, sorry, <clears throat> there we go. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so so I've got a chart here which then shows um, uh, the. Sorry, can you go back one, Tim. Yeah, sure. There we go. Thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, so we've, we've we've got a chart here which uh, which basically shows the declines since uh, the most recent recent peaks, and Sydney's actually hit nine uh, percent. So since the market peaked just over about fifteen or sixteen months ago, Sydney's now lost nine percent. So it's it's quickly approaching double
2: digits. And that's median as well. So there's plenty of places that have fallen. Yeah, fifteen, twenty percent. That's right. And, and it's and a, others that have of twenty, four, five.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the, this is the um, the CoreLogic's hedonic index. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it actually measures like for like. So um, there are other measures which show similar from you know domain or uh, from from ABS, which hasn't come out yet. But that that uses just a more simple stratified median. Um, but again, yeah city's down down nine uh, percent since peak. Uh, Melbourne's down about five and a half and and Perth's actually um, you know getting close to fifteen percent now. um so we're looking at some pretty heavy losses here, and at the five city level, we're down about five and a half percent. So um you know again, we're only just over a year into it, and uh, but the pro- the losses are really starting to mount. Mm. Um, now, just to put a perspective on on where we where we compare, uh, versus previous cycles, uh, I've got a chart here which just shows the declines since peak versus um, versus past corrections back to the early
0: nineteen eighties. And just just to make it clear, out of the current ones, the the black line. On That's right.
1: One. Yep. Yeah. So so about sort of um, the duration of this this declines actually the the third longest, but the uh, actually quantity of the declines about you know midway compared to the uh, previous cycles going back to the eighties. So. You Know it, it, it's not that severe yet, obviously, uh, although it is starting to drag on and it is starting to become severe. So, um, I guess uh, that, that,
3: that's obviously a bit bifurcated between Sydney, Melbourne on one hand, and some of the other cities holding up better, isn't it? I yeah, mean, yeah, like, absolutely. I if mean, if look at the, if you see those charts for Sydney, they're much closer to more steeper corrections. Yeah, that's right.
1: I mean, look, the um. Obviously, you know Brisbane, Adelaide, and these other smaller markets are holding up a lot better. Perth's obviously been in a funk for a long time, and you don't even want to see the chart for Perth. It's an absolute disaster. Mm. Uh, it's the longest correction they've had, uh, and it's also the by far the deepest they've had in uh, you know data going back to the eighties. But I haven't bothered to do that today, just because uh, I didn't want to get you know get get it too much detail, and maybe do another one of them later on.
2: Uh, but, but I guess Adelaide and Brisbane didn't have the the sort of final blow in in prices as well. So they're sort of I guess from a yeah, if you pick the right points, you know, I guess it's probably Sydney probably looks similar to to Adelaide and Brisbane. You're basically saying you, you take those, take out the peak, yeah, yeah. take out yeah. the peak, and, and so you've had peak a to trough, though. bigger, bigger yeah. rise, bigger fall. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean,
1: the the, the last the, the, this cycle in the last five years has been really purely a Sydney Melbourne issue. Like Sydney Melbourne are just kept you know, rose up while the rest of the country didn't do a whole lot and actually Perth went backwards. So, uh, yeah, th- this has been fully driven by Sydney and Melbourne mm-hmm. at the moment, which is why um, the, the, the rest of the charts today basically just focus on Sydney and Melbourne. Okay, uh, per- Perth's been falling for years and it's, you know, the story hasn't really changed there. The big story in the last year or so has been Sydney and Melbourne, okay. which has gone from boom to
0: bust. Sure thing. All right, well, um, let's jump into um, some short-term indicators then. So we've got the Sydney uh, auction... Uh, clearance rate versus the price growth uh, chart up there, Leif?
1: Yeah, so um, what, what I want to do now is just go through the sort of the best uh, short-term indicators for the housing market. So, so, so this isn't focused on you know structural supply, undersupply, any of that sort of stuff. Um, this is just looking at you know what's happening right now and what the best indicators are to tell us where we are right now in the cycle and what's likely to happen in the you know in the near term. Um, the, the first, the first indicators, auctions, auction clearances, uh, auction clearances are probably the best. Immediate indicator you get every week. Mm. Um, they're not necessarily the most perfect, but they are the best sort of short-term indicator. And
3: looks pretty perfect. Yeah, it does. Yeah,
1: I, I've done two charts here. Now this was um, the, this is uh, a, a new data series I've developed, which is basically um, you know tracking the auction clearance rates. I've smoothed them out, um, you know, averaged out each, each month, done them on a three-month uh you know three three monthly basis just mm-hmm. to smooth out the volatility and as you can see there's an incredibly strong correlation between auction clearance rates and uh and dwelling price growth and uh
2: ha- having said that though it's, it's it's interesting to note that uh in the earlier years the auction clearance rates certainly led that that chart whereas for the last what six months not oh, sorry maybe in 12 months sort of uh the prices have continued to fall auction clearance has ticked up a little bit there but but um but that sort of didn't even put a dent in price. It almost makes that chart look as if it's a, a lagging indicator rather than a leading indicator. Mm. On this cycle, yeah. On yeah. this cycle, yeah. On, for on the last this month, last of yeah, on the,
1: yeah, the last couple. Yeah, yeah, the last couple months. But I mean, look, you know, if, if you take a long term view, if you go back ten years, it's a pretty damn strong correlation. Um, pretty yeah, hard to deny deny that. I mean, you um, could you could
3: uh, if you wanted to be a real pedant, Damien's being, um, you could put that down towards uh, possibly foreign buy the foreign buyer influence. Yeah, because yeah, we saw we saw all these dislocations in Sydney and Melbourne from traditional data relationships. And if if it were exiting Chinese buyers that kicked off the price correction, and then auction clearances started to chase them lower, um, that might explain that. But
2: mm. I guess what I'm flagging is it's it's we had we had a rise in auction clearances that about a year ago, but mm. it didn't didn't actually do anything for prices. Prices kept kept headed down.
0: Just just a quick one before we jump into the Melbourne. Um, how much faith do you put in? auction clearance data as a guy that reads the, the data you, is there any way that you can check obviously it's I, not it's not regulated in any way no, is it it's no, so police.
1: I, I, I used to put very little faith into it okay. uh, when it was uh, domain doing it uh, because they used to collect a tiny tiny sample mm. and um and I mean, it might have also been because dr andrew wilson was the one doing it and he's uh, yeah he's, he's a little bit uh, bullish Sketchy Yeah Right okay. <laughs> but, but since since, since CoreLogic's um, been doing it In the last couple of years And they've been using CoreLogic's data It's a lot better Okay um, Now it's not perfect Like the um, You know CoreLogic Does their preliminary results On uh, on Sunday Which they release And they've always got Heaps of missing auctions in there mm. And then But then they release On, Friday, uh, on Thursdays They release the final results and that includes it. Still, only includes about seventy five percent of all auctions that actually took place. So there's still a lot of missing there. And so, what do but, they get reported as? <laughs> uh, well, that yeah, we don't know. Um, but it, it, it's you know, it's a lot better than it used to be. And it's still not perfect. There's still you know a lot of missing auctions, obviously.
3: Mm. But I mean, um, as, long, as long as the methodology is consistent, yeah, that's mm. right. Like it's it, still it, going to be
1: useful. Yeah, it's a like... little, it's a little bit like you know, if you if you look at a Chinese data or whatever, it's none of it's none of it's perfect. But but you look for the rates of change, yep. right? And and that so gives you the yep. gives you the trends.
0: Yeah, fair and
1: enough. and I think these these charts. Um, if you put Melbourne up yet? I will. Yep. So I've got Sydney and Melbourne there. Uh, there is a you know incredibly strong correlation between clearances and price prices. And I look at that and I go, well, you know that's a pretty good indication. It's not perfect, but it's the best near term indicator we've got. And um, as you can see, clearances in both cities are crashing mm. uh, down in the low forties uh, levels we haven't seen since about two thousand twelve, which is when the last you know uh, decent downturn in Property prices took place. So it's certainly not looking good. And um, in fact, the final clearances that came out today were uh, for last weekend were actually the worst since 2012. And what so number? Uh, Melbourne came in 41%. Wow. Sydney was 42 Nationally, I think we we're down, I think, 41 or
0: 42. So, so that's that's lower than the GFC taking off. Yeah,
1: office. yeah. Well, it set well, us the, the lowest since uh, June 2012. So, um, yeah, it's pretty bad. So, yeah. It's been, consistent with. with 10% plus price falls mm. per annum, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Anyway, yeah, so I guess I guess the upshot of this is auction clearance rates are tanking, they've got a high correlation and that doesn't all go well for house prices.
0: Mm. Okay, sure thing. So, we'll jump into um, the investor side now and um, I mentioned the GFC before, but the investors' um, the commitments are looking fairly similar to what we saw 10 years ago. Yeah,
1: look, uh, I've used um, the... I could have put up all the housing finance versus price growth or investor finance versus price growth. And there's actually a much stronger stronger correlation between investor finance. But they both show, show a similar story. Basically, um, you know, this, these, these charts go back to the early 90s and they show that there's, um, you know, just like auction clearances, but even more more so, there's a very strong correlation between you know, investor finance commission, uh, commitments and price growth. And,
2: and, and so what what you're saying there, I guess, just to put in layman's terms for people, is that you're, you're a marginal investor. So the, so the person who's driving the price is, is the investor that's that, that's sort of pushing the price up and down. So there's sort yep. of, I guess, where we're, where we're headed here is that there's sort of an underlying <coughs> demand for places for people to live. And then when... Investors can can borrow lots of money and and want to jump out there and bid up house prices. Then then you see house prices rise. And when investors aren't out there bidding up house prices and they're pulling back from the market, you see you see housing prices fall.
1: Yep, mm. spot on. And and you can see that very clearly in the data. As the investor demand goes up, so the investor finance growth goes up. Prices go up. As it falls, prices fall. But at the moment, it's it's tanking.
0: And, and have you got any recent data on? I know we had Phil Souza on a little while ago. We we're sort of talking that the investors were sort of over fifty percent of the the market. We're, have we got any recent stats on on where investors sit um, at the moment? Hi Phil, if you're listening in, too. Yeah, uh,
1: certainly do. Um, the The uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics releases that it's it's always lagged by a few months. Okay. But the most recent data showed uh, it was still over fifty percent in Sydney, right, and about just over forty percent in Melbourne. And, that, and, that's, and that's down from peak when Sydney was about 60%, or just over 60%, and Melbourne was about 50%. So they're, they're still very sizable chunks of both markets. It's extraordinary. Negative gearing is going to get the job. <laughs> yeah, I oh, It's not it, 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 it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, I'm licking my lips. <laughs> so anyway. Um, We're jumping so, to Melbourne? Yeah, so Sydney's have crashed. Uh, finance commitments have crashed. Melbourne's have crashed very strong correlation prices. There was a, there was a short dislocation uh, a couple of years ago um, in, in the series. And again, that probably gets down to a massive share of foreign buyers that we had. And a lot of them were, would, have, would have been uh, accessing the housing market outside the, the Australia's credit system, mm-hmm. whether through suitcases of cash, uh, whatever. Um, so that was you know, propelling price growth when finance actually wasn't going up. But um, irrespective of that, finance is crashing. Both markets means house prices will very likely keep falling, uh, irrespective of the auction clearance rates. Um, ne- next, uh, next good indicator is uh, transaction volumes. So um, sales volumes again I've uh, got data going back to um, you know about twenty years, and very very strong correlation. This all comes from CoreLogic. Um, Sydney's sales volumes are down by about a third since uh, since the last peak, and Melbourne's are down by about uh, a quarter. Um, and uh, Sydney sales volumes are plumbing levels not seen since about the GFC, uh, as are Melbourne. And, so and,
2: and so putting this into context, I guess the the relationship here is that when um, when prices are high, people feel more confident and they, they flip their house and, and, and sell and, and are happy to trade them. And, and there's a lot of demand. And I guess when demand pulls back, people don't like to take a loss on their on their house, and they sort of so they they just sort of figure, well, I'll, I'll just hold on to my house for a bit longer and, and wait it out. So you sort of see the, I guess that's that's the correlation. I guess
1: yeah, and also obviously uh, you know, less less demand from buyers as well. So people sit on the hands and don't want to don't want to enter as well. So that yeah. also impacts.
0: And so just a, just a quick question on this one. Um, the so the sales data where does that come from?
1: Uh, so the sales data comes from well it's from CoreLogic, but it comes okay. from the um, from each of the, the land titles offices.
0: Right, so it's pretty reliable. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's
1: just lagged. Unfortunately, um, the data we get is uh, th- lags prices by about three months. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So so we've only got data up to I think April or May. No, May I think, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but irrespective, it shows that the um, you know re- very strong correlation and sales volumes in both markets are tanking. And this is not just bad news, obviously for um, for the housing market, or great news if you're a buyer, but um, very bad news for both state governments who are um, incredibly reliant on uh, on. On stamp duties, and property taxes to prop up their budgets, mm. and obviously if transaction volumes tank at the same time as prices tank, um, you know, we're, we're looking at multi-billion-dollar holes in both the New South Wales and Victorian budgets, mm. which you know, which will which will uh, stifle their ability to you know build all the infrastructure and whatever they have to to keep up with the population Ponzi, mm-hmm. and uh, hello austerity down the track. So
0: good times ahead no nah. Melbourne
2: so and I think it's probably worth we, we spoke a bit about this last week but just it's just this the the main issue we see here is um, pro cyclical in in terms of when house prices are going great then you get lots of these transactions happening which means there's lots of stamp duty which which means governments are have got all this cash and they're, they're you know they're sitting there trying to spend it <clears throat> at, at peaks of the cycle and then when things turn and and, and and, and downturn, which is, which is when you'd want governments to actually be out there and supporting and, um, probably, and actually yeah. increasing their, their yeah. spending, um, is when they haven't got any more money left. And so now it's all about, um, for, from, from a state level, we've seen in, in a number of different countries, um, and the US is probably a good example, that, that all the states want to try and pull back. And the federal government might be keen to try and get more out there and, and be trying to convince people to, to spend. But at the state level, where most of this infrastructure spending happens, um, you know, they're just sort of shell shocked and. and you know, trying to balance their budgets.
1: Yeah, mm. it's, basically, it's basically kind of like a version of the wealth effect. So, mm. you know, this is why property is so important. It uh, creates a wealth effect for uh, for households and consumers because as, as their assets go up, the prices go up, they borrow against the homes, they spend more. Mm. But also similar impact for the governments, uh, for state governments who are so reliant on property taxes. And property values go up, there's more turnover, they get more stamp duty revenue, they can funnel it out into spending. And uh, obviously, the reverse happens yeah. when prices fall. Yeah.
2: And when you say property taxes, it's transaction property taxes that are yeah. issues. Property taxes, uh, sort of a flat a flat fee, levied sort of per year, would actually work out a lot a lot better for people. Yeah. Because it because it smoothed out these changes. Whereas, um, if you're just putting, you're basically, piling up all the uh, all all the responsibility for for um, for your budget to to people who want to trade houses or have to trade houses or kids or mm. yeah, and, branches, which is and, not a not a, not a sustainable long solution.
1: Yeah, well, stamp duty is the worst kind of tax for this because it's it's you know it's dependent on not just trend, no, sales volumes but also prices, so it's, it it is inherently very pro-cyclical.
0: And just boom a quick bust. one,
1: but you're,
3: I mean, you've also got you know very uh, inept slash corrupt governments <laughs> who are doing the opposite of what they say they're going to do and should do. Obviously, make savings during the boom, stimulate during the bust. But at the state level, do the opposite. In fact, federally, do the opposite as well a lot mm. of the time. But uh, so. You know, a lot of these really bad politics too.
0: Is it a product a product of um, if you're saving now and copying the burn and just giving it to the next government to spend? And, uh, oh, and absolutely. Yeah, throwing,
2: throw, from, a, from a politician's perspective, you're throwing away votes if you're not spending the, spending the money as fast as you can.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I've got
1: some sympathy for the state governments. Though. The, um, they're obviously been you know, force-fed. Um, in the case of city of Melbourne, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of extra people uh, through, you know, Big Australia policy, so they've got to build the infrastructure. Mm. They don't really have a choice.
0: Just a quick one on, just finally on this, uh, on the sales volumes. This, obviously, you've got a stat there sort of, you know, what, 90 odd thousand in 1998 versus 70 odd thousand 20 years later. Um, obviously, Melbourne's grown significantly in that time. Is there maybe a, a graph for later date where we have it based on the number of um, properties that are actually in the city as, as a percentage or something, maybe, so you could see rather than tracking up, it might be tracking we, down? We had this Yeah. Exact-
2: so yeah, look, that conversation maybe an hour or two ago, just talking about the you know about how these are the these are your raw numbers and give you a better feel for the overall perspective. But but yeah, if you if you, if you adjusted, then we'd um, no, on a per crashed. capita basis where we're we it yeah whatever it is twenty thirty year lows.
1: Yeah, I mean probably a better way to do it than per capita is just to do it as a um, yeah percentage of total oh, of, of total homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that yeah. So so turnover rate. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 there's no doubt the turnover rate would have crashed, mm. and part of that is. Because um, because the, the the way stamp duty works is that the thresholds are pretty much fixed. Mm. So as prices rise, the stamp duty rates, or well, the the average stamp duty goes up, and then mm. that becomes a disincentive to buy and sell. So that that would explain part of it.
0: Oh, well, that's uh yeah, it could be a quality yeah. graph for uh, for our next iteration yeah. of the thanks, uh, the great housing crash. Thanks,
1: guys. It's about five hours working that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Appreciate it. That's three for you, Leith.
1: <laughs> All right, foreign buyers. Yeah. So um, look. This this chart's come from Gareth Ed, um, legendary economist at the CBA, uh, who um, who compiled this data recently, and it basically tracks uh, foreign buyers as measured by the uh, NAB foreign buyer survey against property prices, and it shows that um, that there's a pretty strong correlation between price growth and foreign buyers, although albeit not you know, obviously not perfect, and um, and what it suggests is that uh, that that the percentage of foreign buyers. For Australian properties, fallen from about twelve percent, um, you know, mid mid twenty fifteen to about six percent currently. So it's roughly halved. So about about a halving in foreign foreign demand, and uh, and that's obviously um, you know helped to mitigate uh, prices. And uh, it's just it's just another short term factor. Foreign buyers are pulling out of the market. Um, we've got less Chinese money flowing in, which, other things equal, means that we should get lower price growth going forward, and uh, should drag down property prices. So. It's just yeah, you know, it's just another another one of these short-term factors.
0: Mm, okay, absolutely. Just had a, a quick one here, just as a note, um, and once again, maybe for uh, a future uh, iteration. But the uh, just the impact on some of the secondary cities um, and the the boom or and now bust. Have you um, you've got the capacity to provide some data on that? Perhaps at a, at a later date. Ah, uh, so so Wollongong, Geelong, sort of the sort of satellite but sell secondary cities
1: yeah i, I wish i could um i don't know i don't actually have the data yep. I, i've only got data at the um at the capital city levels so okay uh, i don't have any um data on the small small regions
0: yeah right okay All so, right.
1: Gen- generally speaking you could say
3: they've been booming hmm. as locals got priced out during the last booms in sydney and melbourne hmm. and they've had a longer tail on that because people have can move out there. But Geelong, for instance, the auction clearances there have started to steepen down very quickly now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same in Sydney satellites. They always lag. They lag, but they'll, they will track the bigger cities.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, I know anecdotally, uh, Geelong's typically been a refuge for people priced out and also for downsizers. Um, yep. that are coming, you know, that are retiring and then moving down to the coast and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out.
1: Yeah, we also know just from international experience, we know that, you know, in places like California, um, the um, the inland empire, so your San Bernarditos, et cetera, which are, you know, about 100 miles away from, or 100 k's away from uh, from San Francisco, et cetera, they, they all boomed very late in the US housing bubble. Mm-hmm. And they also the ones that got decimated when it busted because they tend to be lower income and, uh, you know those desperate people who couldn't afford to buy in San Fran, and at worst job prospects. So it's probably, you know, it's probably a similar case here with Geelong. The place like Geelong, and probably Wongong and maybe Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these places that are about an hour away from the city, they get yeah. As you guys have said, they get a lot of the um, you know the people priced out, and, and a lot of them then commute back into the city mm. as well. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not, un, not unusual. They lag and then they get hit
0: hard later on. A little bit of pressure off the V-Line train from uh, Geelong, which I think <laughs> yeah. a few people would be happy to hear. <laughs> so, you he can. Okay, sure. So, let's roll into um, some policy responses. Uh, is the government to the rescue?
3: Um, maybe we should reverse these and do headwinds. Headwinds, headwinds, headwinds first. Okay, yeah. you'd like to yeah. do that
0: one first. Okay. Yeah. We'll jump into the headwinds then. Yeah.
3: yeah. So, uh, all right. So, head, headwinds, uh, as, as Leith has made pretty clear... Uh, headwinds are pretty stiff uh, and if anything stiffening so uh, we've got you know a credit crunch of some sort going on and and actually Uh, can I just
2: preface before you jump into this mm -hmm. Um, so we've got we've got sort of five things up here which are uh, the credit crunch bank funding costs uh, interest-only mortgage cliff uh, the negative gearing and and CGT reforms from labour and immigration cuts and of those, um, only three of them were up there. Last year, um, the credit crunch was still at its early stages, and the immigration cut you know, the coalition's eye.
0: In the current S- prime minister's eye, yeah. who was it again? <laughs> Could have yeah, been anyone. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It was,
2: um, but and so and so that, that there's there's greater headwinds than we saw. You know, even just three months, three or four months ago.
3: Yeah, um, and that's certainly the case with the credit crunch alone. Um, it it appears to be intensifying. It's uh, uh, driven primarily by the um, fallout from the Hain Royal Commission, which has resulted in rising lending standards in the major banks as they've been uh, caned from, you know, pillar to pillar. Mm.
2: And and what David's talking about in terms of credit crunch is that um, what traditionally happens is in in the lending cycles is... Uh, you get interest rates rising and then you start getting defaults and then the banks all of a sudden they go from shipping as much money out as they possibly can to all of a sudden wanting to uh, to hold on to as much and being worried about property prices and people defaulting and so they they um, they basically it's it's one of these pro-cyclical things again where they're they're throwing out lots of lots of credit um, while the while the boom's going and then as the booms starting to crash they're they're, they're pulling it all back and so that's where um, that's where we're at, at the moment which we haven't really had the interest rate rises but it's more of been a a Royal Commission-driven credit crunch?
3: Uh, well, it's two things. I mean, it's also... Uh, the, the, we started with um, prudential tightening from APRA, but we'll come back to that. The, what What's really driven the, the recent crunch and the steepening of house price falls uh, has been the Royal Commission, Damo says, and we've seen just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen ANZ and CBA both come out and say, we'll, we will, will not be putting out what were effectively subprime or liar loans in the past, in future? Um, what the 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 Royal Commission basically exposed that the four major banks were issuing somewhere between thirty and fifty percent of their loans within, with inadequate documentation, mm. in effect, where they were not assessing expenses and income correctly. They were using benchmarks and stuff which were radically underestimating people's costs overestimating income all sorts of dodginess going on through the broker channels etc uh, etc et and that's they've been caught red-handed with all this stuff uh and you know the the biggest bank in the country the bellwether has said 30 percent of its book is colored by this stuff and so those practices have, are just gone shut down uh, so they're all putting in much more stringent um uh, uh, screening processes for borrowers and that's an implicit rising of lending standards mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, it just means that people are going to get a lot a lot fewer people are going to get credit and a lot fewer people will, and, and people will get less credit because mm. you'll just get much more realistic assessments of repayment prospects mm-hmm. uh, and so that's, that's probably the primary driver at the moment of the credit crunch. That actually came as a secondary on top of the macro prudential which was already underway from APRA, which was happening in lieu of rate rises. Uh, And what what that was was um, uh, the Prudential regulator just uh, was forced finally by campaigning by MB and others and just the sheer magnitude of the bubble blow-off in Sydney and Melbourne to to clamp down on some of the crazy lending practices pre-Royal Commission. Mm. And the main target of that was Firstly, inter, uh, investor loans, and then second, a second round for interest-only loans. Uh, now, there is a little bit of good news on that front. This is where we come to the interest-only mortgage cliff, which is another headwind. Um, through the last boom, you know, one of the major sources of new credit that drove up house prices was it was a, a, just a very big interest-only blow-off. Hmm. Like that's where, uh, you know, the investors really went nuts in this particular boom uh, because it was really the only way they could actually afford any of the extraordinary prices. Uh, And so once that got chopped off uh, and APRA said, you know, banks had to reduce the number that they were issuing in their books, Um, you have, you know, a lot of these interest-only mortgages have a, um, uh, a period uh, where they reset later it's to, about five to, years, to, so. most of them are three or five years. Yeah. Uh, and you have this sort of uh, you know honeymoon period, then it resets to principal and interest. Uh, and so the boom ran from sort of 2013 to 2017. And then so when you clamp down on that, you've then got four years of reset. Um, the good news is uh, the banks have been actually chewing through that ahead of schedule. So they've been converting people to to interest and in principal faster than the actual scheduled reset suggests. So uh, you know that suggests a certain amount of de-risking, but there's price to pay for that in falling falling house prices.
2: And arguably as well, there's there's also a, you sort of say if if I have a book of whatever a hundred people who I need to reset to to principal and interest from from interest only, and I'm trying to do it faster, I'm going to be able to reset the guys who are actually making enough income to, to, to principal and interest sooner than I will. like In theory, the ones that I've got left are, are going to be the worst ones because they're the ones yeah, I, maybe. I might have tried to mm. convert, but I couldn't because they just, just literally didn't have the money to do it. And they yeah. just sort of said, no, 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 sorry. I'm, so you've just kicked that down the road. I'm, yeah. I'm taking my full, you know, if you give yeah. me five years, I'm, I'm doing... You know,
3: well, I mean, if that's true, you're going to end up with a kind of toxic asset problem, yeah. a bit like the US, you know, where you, you, you're... You're kind of managing your loan book in a way, and chopping and changing things yeah. that that just ends up concentrating risk. Maybe so. So that yeah. glass yeah. could's
0: could yeah.
2: possible. Could be yeah. half full. Could be half empty. Yeah, it yeah. to- could be. Yeah. yeah. Good point.
0: We just had a quick question um, on uh, interest rates. So I've got a, a comment here. Martin North sees interest rates going up. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, not in uh, the na- our, our current narrative. So uh, maybe he's right, and you guys are wrong. Well, of course, he,
3: he might be right. I mean. Paul blocks, might be right,
0: but I, I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, it'd be suicidal. Like it,
3: it, it'd be suicidal. The RBA would love to reload the cannon. We know, we all know that. But as Ray Dalio says, well, what the hell's the point in putting up interest rates just so you can pull them down again? Mm. I mean, it's it's really obvious that the economy is slowing now, um, from you know what we described as the Botox boom over the last year, which has been very, very fiscal oriented or mm. fiscally driven. Fiscal fiscal spending driven. Uh, uh, And now, you know, retail isn't falling off off a cliff, but it's clearly slowing and heading towards a stall. Um, Dwelling construction is falling? Dwelling construction is falling. Um, All the leading indicators on employment have rolled. Uh, and are falling now. Some of them are still at quite reasonable levels, sort of average levels. Mm. Um, but the trend is all down yep. in all of them. Uh, I mean, wage growth has hardly gotten
2: off the canvas. Mm. And I think our our overarching thesis has been that um, you know the, the the RBA rolled us out of a mining boom that they thought was going to last a long time, um, and so they then they cut rates and and and, and basically. Look the other way while banks shoveled as much credit as possible out the door for um for a number of years to to, to, to blow a housing boom yep. and to 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 get us over the, the the hump of that mining boom and then the next thing is is saying well what's what what's, what's going to take over as as that finishes and and they've sort of had the view that oh the rest of the economy will kick into gear and 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 it'll lift us off and that. Um, we've sort of always been of the view that 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 wasn't going to happen, and that you didn't have enough. There wasn't enough ammunition there, and and that as um, you know, as the housing boom sort of wound off, that that you you headed into a uh, an economic downturn, and you wouldn't be raising rates. And so um, they've been talking about raising rates for years, and just keep pushing it out further and further and further. And our, our view is that eventually they'll have to give up and, and, and go the other way. But, was, but the RBA is still definitely talking about raising rates, which is why yeah. you have Martin North and other people. And most uh, most economists, there's probably only a handful of economists who are talking about lowering rates. The vast majority of people are, are taking it from none. the, the, the there's, RBA. There's
3: an us and, and Stephen Kukulis. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, whereas,
1: whereas Bill Evans is saying it's just on hold for the next three years. Basically. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. Right. And, and But we haven't spoken much about inflation. Well, there is, no, there's none. <laughs>
3: I mean, there's none. We, we 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 we've struggled for five years to get any. They got a few pips, into yeah. We just, it. it's still below the RBA's well, yeah, right. band. Um, I mean, not that you know they'll cut because it's under the RBA band. You know, like Phil Lowe's made that clear, but you know, they would certainly like to see more
1: inflation, and, and it's peaked. Mm. Yeah, and in fact, I, I, I'm pretty sure the last the last CPI rating was actually the lowest it's been for decades. Or something. Mm. So it's um, and, and we also got to remember that the, the banks have been doing their own tightening. Mm. You know, out of cycle with the yeah. RBA, so just makes it even harder. Yeah, yeah. So
3: how can there's you? just can't... There's an ice block hike rates, and there's a very
1: good chance they're going to be forced to cut. Mm. Yeah, but the only other thing is the RBA doesn't seem to, from every from all indications, the RBA doesn't seem to get that this that this housing corrections building mm. and it's going to get worse. They've been pretty you know Panglossian about it. So you just never know. Maybe, maybe they will get blindsided and they'll do the wrong. They'll, they'll hike them when they shouldn't and,
2: and it's also worth noting the timing. They they're stupid the timing so they've got another meeting coming up in another week or two and then that's it for two months Yep. and so um, yeah the, the RBA usually likes to, to to give a bit of forward notice and so if yeah, they don't yeah. hike or if they don't start giving forward notice at the next meeting then the two months away from starting to give forward notice and and, and maybe there's if a credit current inti- intensifies in the meantime maybe it's yeah Makes things worse. In terms well, you,
3: you're going to see housing prices continue to fall for the time being. You don't get the Hain report until February election. <laughs> The banks uh, are basically on tenterhooks until then in terms of installing any new lending policy. So it runs right to and through until then. Then you get the Victorian election.
1: Oh, yeah, Victorian well, elections this it, week. Sorry, the new you, South get, Wales.
3: You, yeah. you get New South Wales election. We're getting the Victorian one this week. And then the federal in May. And the negative gearing. Uh, <laughs> and negative gearing goes. I mean, you know, what? what like, yeah. what, what central bank's going to hike into that? Mm. Like, that is a gale. Yeah. You know, the economy is slowing now. And it's going into
1: that. I mean, they are not going to hike. And i tell you what, you don't boost housing construction by raising in- interest rates, you know, if that's what they want to do. Yeah. So it's just, um, I just can't see it happening. Yeah. But okay. again, look, you know, you never know. We could be wrong, but... Yeah. Oh, look, the, the key question is whether they cut,
3: I think. I, t- I think the idea that they're going to hike is... Mm. Yeah. Um, well, it's just a matter of how much of a correction are they, are they willing to bear in, in house price and uh, how much it hits the macro before they're forced to buckle.
1: And, and, and I think right. I, I think when they do cattle, it'll be, it'll be like they were with macroprudential, where they just refuse, 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 and then eventually capitulate. Mm. And yeah. it'll be, you know, it'll be a possibly, you know, way, way so, after the horse is bolted.
3: So mm. while we're on that subject, um, we should just quickly finish the headwinds. And we've got bank funding costs there as well. Um, we haven't provided a chart, but um, the, the rising funding costs that were largely coming out of... Um, short-term funding as BBSW rates Mm. uh, are basically where they were three months
2: ago, more or less. There's been a slight easing. So, I think it's probably, let's say it was sort of three steps forward and then one step back. Yeah. Yeah, in terms Um, of they they rose quite quickly, um, (coughs) pulled back a little bit, but but the levels are still well above the levels they were a year ago. And more importantly for bank
3: profits, the moving average is still coming up. Mm. Um, So uh, the banks are going to have to hike it themselves Mm. again. To protect net interest margins so again you know this mitigates against any notion that the rba is going to move mm. uh, because bank net net interest margins, funding costs where they are will f- continue to fall for another six or 12 months uh and you know their share price is getting smashed mm. so they're going to want it they're going to do it if they can um okay so uh that that brings us to you know stuff we've just mentioned of course negative gearing and capital gains reforms i, I mean we think labor's Obviously, a shoe in for the election. Um, they seem very firm and determined to put these policies in place. I mean, if we get a crash into the election,
1: we might throw the cards in the air, but then you've got a crash anyway. Mm. You know, at that point. The only, uh, um, can I say, uh, the, the only thing on that which might stifle them is they may not get a majority in the Senate, even with the Greens. I think there was some. Um, the Australian yeah. Institute did some. Did some analysis and they reckon they probably them and the greens probably won't have a majority so they will have to probably negotiate with the cross crossbench so yeah, they'd get who knows. On that yeah, yeah i think they would i mean darren hinch has already said he'd support it so yeah it should be right
3: and then of course the new one is immigration cuts where where we're not certain how big they'll be but they've been mooted now by the federal government you know they've, they've talked about 30,000 cut uh, and you know that would actually match a, a sort of uh, mock cut that they've already done but they've been offsetting with bridging
2: visas. Uh, and so so what David means there is that basically they're gaming the stats at the moment yeah, saying, yeah. saying that they're cutting rates but really just giving away different visas so that the, yep. the official stats look like immigration's falling but but um, in reality it's very little yeah. changed. So they
1: so the permanent migrant intake was 30000 less than the previous year, but the bridging visas went up 40000 which and Bridging visas are handed out to people who are basically waiting for mm. um, permanent migrants. Permanent, yeah. permanent migration. Infinite, infinitely rollable. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. So, They're like long-term so the, temporaries. Yeah, in,
3: f- in five years, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of <laughs> bridging visas. visas. Yeah, I mean, we do still think that they'll, they'll, they will they'll cut immigration.
1: Or at least um, there'll be a cut in the temporary side, which mm-hmm. will still have an impact on demand, but you yeah. know, not as, yes. it's certainly not a positive no and labor labor we think we'll have to do
3: something on temporaries as well um, otherwise you know they'll have no hope of generating
2: higher wage growth mm. but 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 having said that labour's not they're more likely to keep uh, running at the current rate or or you know even increase a little uh Can't I, you know, think I think they'll, str- str- they'll, I think so they'll
3: struggle to increase it it's just yeah. so unpopular mm. but 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 they would definitely sustain it.
2: Yeah. Yes, Well, certainly not say that they're increasing it. But as we said, you know, you can, yeah, yeah, what you're saying, you can, well, yeah, can duke the stats. Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if if negative if they do put negative gearing reform through, uh, and it, and it hits the market
1: hard, they'll certainly be looking at that as uh, trying to mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they did they did that to an extent during the GFC when they you know. Where they basically allowed in foreign buyers and got rid of all those rules and, you know, ran up immigration. So,
3: so I'll just add one more uh, headwind to that one, which is uh, where we mentioned before, the foreign buyers. Uh, obviously, they're actually still declining, I think, and the likelihood is that that will continue in the foreseeable future, uh, as you know, this this kind of burgeoning cold war between the U.S. and China goes on, and the uh, Chinese yuan comes under pressure, uh, that means they'll have to manage their capital account very closely and probably tighten it even further. Which means less foreign buyers. So there's very unlikely to be a to be more foreign buyers either. Okay. Um, and then I suppose you could segue that into a possible um, final headwind, which is a potential you know global shock of of some kind hitting what is obnucket. But, but we know we're late cycle, we just don't know when it comes. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously a vague and speculative thing, but it's, it's, it is lurking out.
0: Okay, sure. So we'll jump back into um, some policy responses just quickly if we've missed any. I think we've covered off on a few there, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think same we've, old, done, same old.
3: we've done the RBA. I mean, I think that the RBA will be forced to cut next year, personally. I think um, by the time we get through the federal election, I think the economy will be in, in serious stall mode, Um and uh, coming out of it you'll get you get a lift of confidence coming out of it except you know we'll have a new blow to to the housing market uh and i think the rba will be forced to cut in fact if i was labor i would do the negative gearing reform and i would just put a gun to the rba's head and yeah. make them cut mm-hmm. um, so i think it, uh two cuts next year half um, percent yep and then, then you're really into the realms of um, zero interest rate policy. Mm. I mean, you're, you're at one percent cash rate, uh, and the RBA said it never wants to go below that. I think it would go below it if forced to, um, down to probably fifty basis points. I, and I suspect that's about as low as it, as it would go. I don't think it'd go to zero. Nobody else has in a small open economy, um, uh, and after, after that, starts to look at quantitative easing. Mm. Um, but all of those, that process is all responsive. None of, I, look, I I should say, I think two interest rate cuts next year, and I think that is enough to stabilize the market for a little while.
1: Although the banks would probably hold half, keep half.
3: They would keep half. Um, and, you know, then you go through a process of, 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 you know, um, you're into the end of cycle and you're, at some point you've got a, um, an external shock as well and so you exhaust your monetary policy over the next year or two uh, and even though you're going to have the cuts and a bit of stabilisation, negative gearing's gone, what, where's the next pulse going to come from the housing market? Mm. Like foreign buyers are still gone. You'll have some pent-up demand there and it, it could, could kick it along a little bit but I think it would roll over again mm. before too long. Uh, and then, at a certain point, when you get that next next end of cycle event, you know I just think households look up and and see that they've got no rate cuts left, mm-hmm. and everyone just goes, well, that's that's the end of it. Thanks very much. Now, at that point, you may get quantitative easing and things, but you know that those will be um, mitigating factors. They're not going to change the market or turn it around. You know, you're you're really into crisis mode there. Um, so I well, guess, having said that, at some stage it'll
2: fall far enough that it'll be worth buying at that stage. Uh, of course, course, it will. Oh, yeah, it'll be, yeah, you know, yeah. Flooded, flooded with money, but yeah. I, yeah. Guess, I guess the point is, there's the, the the larger point is we're not there yet. If you if you're sort of looking at this saying, hey, this was my last opportunity to ever get into the uh, the housing market. I've got to I've got to buy now while it's down five ten percent. No um, way. Saying, look, hold on to it. Yeah. There's um, there's,
3: there's, there's further just, time. Yeah. There's just no. I mean, it looks to me like FOMO is all over. So
1: yeah, just 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 look at those short term indicators, you know, and then um, and then revisit when we do this in another, in another after Christmas, and then yeah. after that, and after that, and once those short term indicators turn around, well, then you know maybe.
3: Yep. So so monetary policy is pretty close to pushing on a string. Is I guess what we're saying? It's nearly exhausted. Um, macroprudential APRA's already pulled out its investor loan limits. And it's done nothing. In fact,
2: it's made it worse. <laughs> what David says in terms of investor loan limits, it was 10%. I think they're basically yeah. saying that banks couldn't lend above 10% and because that was what was happening through that, that whole period. And it's that whole part about, you know, it's obviously credit growth that can't be sustained if the rest of the economy is growing at sort of 3 or 4% and you've got this loan growth of over 10%, 10 to 15% coming into the housing market. It's sort of a pretty good sign there's a bubble happening. And then, so the APRA put on uh, limits to say no bank could go above 10%. Um, mm. then that's
0: 10% uh, growth, growth year on year. Year on year. Which in is the still loans. ridiculously high. Yeah, the yeah. Same
2: time. exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so that sort, of, that sort of helped put a bit of the dampness on the housing market. <laughs> uh, and then, what, three months ago they pulled that off? Maybe yeah. maybe six months ago? And they, yeah, they then still it still keeps off falling. And, it's running about yeah. 2.5% now. So, so yeah. And <laughs> a, a monthly it's falling. Yeah. yeah. So, so Macquarie was still out lending, but everyone else had sort of pulled back.
3: Yeah, um, so, you know, could they pull off uh, the next thing that they would do is take away the interest-only um, uh, restrictions? Um, I don't think they'll do that in the environment of the Royal Commission. Um, you know, the sort of really toxic lending, um, uh, lie loans all all part of the, the whole sub debacle. So uh, I,
2: I, I guess where we're going there with that is that it's now back to bank executives to say, well, you know, if you're a bank executive and everyone else was lending this way... You know, three or four years ago, um, you could keep doing it and, and with, with a clear conscience. And well, you know, if we, if we get done for it, we're all getting done together, and we'll hide behind the bank. But given the focus of the Royal Commission now um, has been, you know, largely on this, our uh, banks giving people loans they can't afford. Now to turn around now, and as a bank say, well, we're going to go hell for leather on interest, you know, interest only, and we're going to pile as many people as we possibly can into this, and we're going to try and bring their their um, their uh, incomes, we're going to try and inflate their incomes and do all the stuff we used to do, Um, you're at a a grave risk that you're going to be the only one doing it Mm. and that there's sort of jail time and and all these other things happening. So, so I guess what we're saying is regardless of of whether APRA or or the RBA or or the governments would like the banks to be out shoveling as much as they can and and change the rules to, to try and help them to shovel as much credit out there as they can to hold this thing up. Um, you're, you're, we're trying to back the, the horse called self-interest, which is um, we've just had this big royal commission. There's a number of criminal, criminal potential things that could come out of it. Uh, we think most bank executives are going to be probably pretty safe for, for the next couple of years.
0: Mm.
3: I mean, where where the government might be able to step in uh, is things like the treatment. Uh, you know whether or not some of some of these indiscretions that have transpired over the boom are actually criminal. Yes. Um, so you know, post royal commission, the government might just simply try and snow the whole thing, and and that way, you know, for instance, um, you know, if if certain kinds of lending are, are kind of retrospectively declared criminal, then you open up all sorts of class actions and possible uh, recourse for people who are losing. You know, have fallen into negative equity, out on these loans, and then then you're into jingle mail territory, and really a catastrophic crash, uh, and that's where the government will probably try to step in and prevent any kind of legislation that probably is needed, but in a moral sense. But you know, they they would try and prevent it simply on the basis of people would get hurt. Now it's actually still um, issue whether or not they could even stop that. That'll mm. be really down to the legal system and the rock. Mm. If the Royal Commission declares a criminal, uh, then the government, you know, will be quite boxed in in how they uh, address
2: the outcomes. But you know that that's just a live issue, and it's. Uh, well, I guess what Dave's saying is there that they could always legislate. I mean, it's not not to say the Royal Commission's you know runs runs a show. The government could legislate to, to, to declare these things. The Royal Commission could say these things are illegal, and they could legislate to to make them. Um, Back to legal, but it's going to be a pretty bad look for whoever's doing it. Saying, you know, an independent judge coming out and saying these guys are all criminals, and the government coming out and legislating to say, oh, let's let's change the rules so they weren't criminals. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so what? Yeah. Vote so, one lawyer yeah, loans. Yeah. It's not yeah, impossible, well, but but it's you can a see the RBA
3: mind. and Treasury both working on this behind the scenes, trying to prevent the Royal Commission from turning into a legal debacle for the banks.
0: actually interesting point there on that one um there's a question here do you think do you you guys think that behind closed doors the government and regulatory bodies are genuinely awake to what is going on or do you think they're pretty confident that we'll have a soft land uh Mm. well
3: i mean it's it's such an amorphous blob that you're referring to it's hard to ascribe intention to the government as it were Mm. i mean i i think um they're
2: kind of, like, kind of agree on who their leader's going to be.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think they're very reactive and, you know, you get get sort of desperate Hail Marys, like, for instance, you know, the, the new Rudd Bank 2.0, yeah. you know, where um, uh, basically falling property prices and, and the credit crunch uh, has cornered a bunch of developers who, uh, you know, have gone out and built these apartment blocks and what have you. Um, with with all the deposits and now because of the credit crunch and because a lot of it was sold to foreign buyers they can't actually get the money to pay out Mm. to these developers take possession Um, and so that's really what what the um, Rudd Bank 2.0 is about is trying to bail out those developers. Do you think there's an so, avenue? So,
0: so, so, well, I was just going to say, do you think there's an avenue with Rudbank 2.0 to sort of start converting this in and solving some of the ha- uh, social housing problem or something like that, where they've just got well, ready built? Uh, that'd yeah, be a lot more to do that, sensible
3: though. use of government money, but um, I, no. No, I
1: mean, <laughs> corporate welfare.
0: But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah okay, so, I mean, so. they're
3: clearly aware of some of some of the
2: texture of the bars. And, and I think, though, it's safe to say that given, as you said, the RBA and Treasury are both working behind the scenes to try and you know, keep, keep things going. Along, along the way they yeah. uh, they realise how dependent the Australian economy is on the, on the housing yeah, yeah. market but also they, and know, so they know it needs to they know they need to keep this thing going yeah. otherwise because I guess what it is 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 they've, they've blown this bubble themselves to, to get us out over the mining boom because they, they forecast the mining boom is going to last 30 years and it lasted you know three and then um, <laughs> yeah. then they've come back and blown this housing bubble so if you want to cover yourself and make sure that you don't get you know you get blamed for blowing the housing bubble, and then. I think that's right. So, yeah. so we... certainly
3: that's the case with the RBA. Yeah,
1: and we, and we, and we see that also with them both, you know, spruking big Australia, mass immigration relentlessly as well to try and keep the demand and backfill it as mm-hmm. well. So, it's, yeah. But Absolutely. I mean, at the same time, I reckon they're, I mean, I, I think they're probably also very arrogant too. They probably think, well, you know, we survived the GFC just fine. We intervene. We, you know, we solve that. If it comes around, we'll do it again. Um, there's probably a bit of that too. Yeah. I mean, they have managed their way through with the
3: bubble. On several occasions, they've, they've kept it afloat. They are quite good at it. It's getting can't harder ki- though.
0: Can kicking is pretty pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that, that's <laughs>
3: certainly gonna, they're, they're certainly they're certainly going to try. And that, then so another other po- possible fiscal policy, obviously, is first home buyer grants. Yeah. Um, you know, access to super, access to super, the usual yeah. suspects. Mm. Um, they're not going to work as well as they have in the past. In fact, house prices are crashing when we have those already in Sydney, and Melbourne. Yeah, and, and also <laughs> you got to remember
1: that the investor demand is about three times first home buyer demand. So for every you know ten uh, percent drop yeah. in investor demand, you got to reduce first home buyers by thirty yeah. to mm. offset More, it. So. Moreover, when, or the way those things work is you, you juice the
3: first home buyers, uh, and then the investors charge in behind the first home buyers mm. and give yeah. you this amplification. Yeah. Um, but there'll be no spillover if you do it this time because the investors can't get it, get the dough. Mm, gotcha. So it's not going to work anywhere near as well. Uh, but no doubt it'll be tried.
1: Yeah, but when we were, you know, we saw New South Wales, and Victoria just did a stamp duty, um, you know, uh, cut last last year for first home buyers, and prices of you know Sydney's down nine percent, and Melbourne's down five and a half. So didn't hasn't done a whole lot.
3: Yeah, Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously, if things get really bad, you know, there is scope for broader fiscal stimulus. As we said, it won't come from states. States will be will be in big trouble Mm. as their stamp duty collapses, and you'll get austerity from the states. Um, But federally, there's certainly scope to stimulate. Uh, So there'll be uh, a policy response in that sense if if the macro really gets hit. Uh, And you know, we still do have a pipeline of infrastructure but even that is going to get more difficult because mm. the nature of this thing is when you run up a big infrastructure boom for it to continue to contribute to growth it has to be bigger each year yeah. like and and we've been actually in truth been doing this since the GFC like with the NBN uh, and the NBN spend is starting to roll off and mm. it rolls off faster and faster so it's got to f- be replaced from next year and so you've got to actually re- replace that and build on it and and, and then more to get any growth,
2: and, and building a you know an, an eight billion dollar tunnel from one place to another doesn't doesn't really support no. it because the what was good with the M B N is it went out to a lot of plumbers and a lot of people digging trenches um, and it was and national th- and national got spread out a lot mm. whereas um, you spend eight billion dollars on a on a tunnel um, you, you're spending a lot of money on, on equipment and um, and you know a couple of guys to drive it and that's about it mm. and so, you know, the, so the, the flow on effect is nowhere near as great
3: so the bottom line is. Uh, you know that infrastructure boom as as it starts to ro- to roll into a plateau, um, it can keep some activity going, but it d- adds nothing to growth. Uh, so it doesn't work as stimulus at all, and so that'll be a, a further challenge for both federal and state government. Um, uh, tax policy, um, <laughs> what do we have in there? I mean, the, the only tax policy um, reform we can see is a problem, really, yeah, which is, which negative, is gear. negative gearing, and also I think that Labor is committed to SMSF. Yeah. Um, yeah, shutting them off from mortgages them leverage, as well. yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, the only tax policies that we can see are, are negatives. Are, are negatives. Yeah.
2: yeah. Unless you get a short term, bring rapidly trying to get. You know, if you if you are if you are. Oh, that's not actually that's not
3: entirely true. We we will see tax cuts. Income yeah. income tax In cuts. Yeah, okay. Because uh, the terms of trade are actually running quite well. Uh, well ahead of budget still. So yeah. um, there will be scope for. You know, moderate tax cuts. But, but obviously it's not targeted at the property sector, so no, it won't, won't offset the negative gearing yeah, no. stuff. that would be aimed at the macro, trying to keep this property sector from hitting yeah. the broader economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would say by mid-next year, Labor does do its negative gearing reform. The RBA does cut, and um, then Labor does, you know, sort of moderately sized tax cuts as well. And they try and, try and short-circuit the bust. Mm. that way into the
0: second half of next year. Mm, Okay, alright, very good um, we're running short on time so we'll just finish up of course as always with the investment impacts um, it's only yeah. a quick one I think today but uh, a little bit of a, yeah. a recap on uh, our last uh, iterations. So. So,
2: yeah, so I mean, obviously there's a lot of negative um, thoughts around around that, uh, what I just wanted to highlight, I've just got a, a chart up quickly just showing that um, how, you, how you add up to the Australian index and so if you start with sort of direct property um, Places in the listed on in Australia, you don't have that many, so you sort of get about ten percent. But then once you add in the finance sector, that sort of takes you to fifty percent. Uh, then you start jumping into, um, you know, to, to a bunch of other things like consumer discretionary and, and things like that that are that are actually quite focused on the um, on the uh, on the housing market and, and quite so places like Harvey Norman where they're they're highly leveraged in terms of the uh, the, the spend that happens, and even stuff like um, you know. Uh, tap uh, not tab, um, crown where you look at and say well crown you know notionally it's a running casinos and and so downturns and, and things like that they arguably more money gets gambled in in bad times but but they're um, busy building some some a huge development in in um, in Sydney at the moment with a bunch of luxury apartments in there so even even sort of you know a number of other ones where you go no you know by, by rights they shouldn't have property development exposure they do have sort of property so that's
0: infected even our gambling stocks It's that's, that's yeah. incredible
2: that's right so um so I guess I guess the the thing is you've got, you've got to be pretty careful if you're in a, in the um, if you, if you're trying to avoid the housing uh, market in Australia um, it's pretty hard and you're you're, you're best off looking offshore or, or looking at government bonds and that's where we're sort of looking at a mixture of the two um, just in terms of saying well look if we think government if we think the government bonds, are going to, the interest rates will be cut, then, then there's some, some benefit in holding more bonds and um, you know avoiding the Australian market um, is, is key.
0: Yep. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, and on that note, let's hear some more about Nucleus Wealth. Nucleus Wealth and the Macro Business Fund was put together to help give you access to quality, well-researched stock analysis and superior macroeconomically-minded asset allocation. We use technology to help us provide a service typically only available to high net worth and sophisticated investors At a fee level that rivals the more basic solutions available to everyday investors we do this by using separately managed accounts which allows clients to enjoy unparalleled transparency of what they own and why it also means that each client effectively owns their own separate and discrete share portfolio managed daily by us we have partnered with linear asset management who are backed by the anz bank for cash management and jp morgan one of the biggest banks in the world as custodian of your assets. In our new personal superannuation option, we've partnered with Premium, who is backed by HSBC as custodian, and ANZ for cash management. We feel these structures are the gold standard for your financial protection. In addition to this, we offer 19 separate and individual ethical screens that you can use to help tailor your investment to ensure that your money is not being used to support companies that deal in areas and practices that you feel are important. By eliminating only the areas that are important to you, you avoid missing out on the potentially higher returning areas that you are ambivalent about, which are often ruled out in other broader ethical investment options currently available. Available in the market. The name Nucleus comes from our ability to provide the core holdings of a client's portfolio, allowing them the time to explore areas that may be of interest or they have experience in. We also offer a complete investment solution for those who don't have the time to coordinate their own investments. Our investment team has decades of experience in world markets and we have access to a global team of stock analysts. By removing the layers of middlemen that sit between your money and the markets, We've been able to reduce fees and provide unparalleled transparency in the solution we provide. For more information on what we can do for you, please call 1300 623 863 or contact us through www.nucleuswealth.com. Dot com. Yes, and um, I will also let you know, that as we, uh, as it stands in the last sort of three to four weeks, we have released our personal superannuation options. So everything that you uh, heard then is available now for uh, retail or personal super accounts. Uh, feel free to head over to portal.nucleuswealth.com to check all this out. You can select uh, ethics. We've got 19 different ethical screens, as mentioned before. Uh, we've also loaded up the top 40 largest super funds uh, by way of fees, so fee ranges that you can have a look at uh, if they're in there. your uh, your fees you're paying now versus uh, something uh, through with us and of course you can also get advice uh, help in setting up the portfolio uh, to make it appropriate for your your needs uh, and also of course seeking further advice after that as well so portal.nucleuswealth.com no obligation you can get all the information from there Uh, coming up next week uh, same bat time same bat channel so Thursday the 29th of November 12.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Daylight Saving Time Uh, our next topic is spotting dodgy advice so we've had a, uh, a recent uh, case drop over the desk uh, that we've had a bit of a look into and we thought let's just uh, put, I guess put that into a, a webinar topic to help uh, people out there if you're listening in in uh, some of the key things that we look for when we're uh, I guess assessing whether or not uh, people are being led astray so uh, that's of course going to be on, on Thursday and head over to the Nucleus Wealth live webinar page to, to check one, that one out so we'll see you there as always, we are available on iTunes uh, and also where you get your quality uh, Australian financial podcast from, Podcast Addict Jumps to Mind for Android. Uh, if you'd like, give us a like or uh, five stars or even write a review if you're, if you're really keen. It just helps us uh, get out there and, and get the message out there and, and uh, obviously get more listeners. So just finally, of course, as always, thanks very much for attending. Uh, we have our our survey or that we, we put out there, bit.ly forward slash nuclear survey gives you an opportunity to rate the performance, how we've gone today, but of course also drop in any further topics that you'd like to hear about that we can go away, research and bring to you. So on that note, thanks very much for your attendance. It went a little bit longer than I thought it was going to, but it's a huge topic uh, and one that gets plenty uh, plenty of attention in the current Australian landscape. So thanks for your attendance and we look forward to catching you at the next one. Cheers.